Hey, I'm Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to an exclusive episode of A Bite Of. Where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Yay. This is this episode is that favorite piece of candy or that favorite cookie that you only have around the holiday season. And it is the holiday season. So you hold it and then you enjoy it. And oh, here we are. My Gosh. It's an extra nibble. Oh, gosh. Okay, so as we promised, right, we were fortunate enough to get invited to a lot of press stuff and press conferences for the Percy Jackson show. That was a lot of peas, but very excited. <laughs> the peas are something we've been battling this entire time. Not <laughs> We did the entire book, and now we're doing the entire series, which goes to the end of January. So get ready for lots of peas. Oh, so but much. This was definitely a perk that I did not see coming. This is so exciting. I mean... We got to hear from cast, crew, creators. It, it was really phenomenal. Uh, the author, literal creator of Percy Jackson, Rick Riordan. Becky, oh. <laughs> and Becky, and yes. Becky Riordan, yes. yes. Uh, very exciting. So how this episode is going to work, due to embargoes and some of the stuff, we can't show you. That's why there's no video for this episode. But we are able to play some clips. We can't play anything from the cast, but we do have an article on our website with that whole conversation with them and the creator and executive producers. It's very good conversation, so make sure you check that out. So how these really worked was we got to send questions in and we got to just be with them while they talked about this stuff. And it was really exciting. We are going to also have a spoiler-free review of the first two episodes at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. We promise we will not spoil anything in this entire episode for you, okay? So just sit tight behind the scenes look at Percy Jackson. Yes, we are choosing our words very wisely for this entire episode, (laughs) making sure not to unveil any of the wonderful secrets. Yes, yes. So let's talk about the cast, right? Because that's the thing that like everybody wants to know about. They want to know like, who is the cast? What did they do? How did they pick them? All of that great stuff. The trio, I am just in love with them. They are perfection for these characters i like even just hearing them talk and like them interacting with each other and like leah kind of looking at the two boys like okay guys (laughs) it's just so good there's definitely a camaraderie between the three of them from what i've you know garnered it's that uh leah and uh walker are closer in age than um arian is i think he's a little he's like four years older than he's a little like that yeah so you know they talk about their relationship and how he was really seen as sometimes a babysitter, but a lot of times they gave him the respect of being the older one. Well, it, it kind of fits though, right? Because Grover is the protector. He's supposed to get these demigods, half-bloods to camp half-blood safely. And so it, it almost makes sense that he's a little older. Mm. I like that dynamic. It was really interesting to hear them talk about their first experiences with the book because you know we're older than them, obviously, by like, a lot. And so, <laughs> and so it's fun to like realize that like Walker Scobell is such a fan of the books. He said that he like read the series about seven times. He just really wanted to be in this world and he got it. And I feel like he's a great Percy Jackson. And Leah, I liked her story when she was talking about it. And she was like, I was actually writing like a mini essay on Percy Jackson when I found out about it. So it's like how that works is so good. If we really think about it, you know, I was just reflecting on how much older we are than them. 
Percy Jackson has existed for their entire lives. Yeah. So it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. So when he says that he read it when he was in third grade, I mean, when you really think about it, he was 12 when he got the role. That was only three years prior. He got it, though. He got it, but he <laughs> and he read it like seven times or something like that within those three or four years. Yeah. So that's super impressive. And I think what's so hard about this, in a sense, is this is something that's so well loved. You know, this is something that's so beloved by so many people around the world. So when you hear that the people that have been cast as these three main characters have also loved and cherished this series, it makes you feel better knowing that they're going to really work to respect it and bring the best representation of it to life. Yeah, I I really liked how the cast was kind of talking about each other and like they are those characters. And I like how Aryan was like, Walker is kind of like mischievous and like he is Percy. You know, he he has that attitude. I wanted to quote Leah here who plays Annabeth and she said, Annabeth is a force of nature and I wanted to capture her strength and intelligence while adding my own touch. And I like that she realized that from the character and she's tapping into that, but also like giving her own to it, right? Because Annabeth is a really big beloved character. So she has, she has like, you know, she has to do it, right? Mm. But like, I love that she's making it her own, which is important. She did, she was in a movie Beast, and I really liked how she talked about it. it was 180 from that because in Beast, she was scared and hiding from the monsters. And in this one, and to quote her, she's like, step aside, boys, like, I can do this. So it's really cool to just see her professionally grow and doing these two different characters yeah. here. And I think one of the other things that was so fun for them was that the cast. You know, there are a lot of adults obviously playing the gods and the parents, but the cast is made up of a lot of teenagers. Oh, yeah. So they got to just hang out with other kids who are like them all day. And, you know, they say in these interviews that all, especially for Leah, a lot of her prior roles, it was just her and a bunch of adults. Mm -hmm. So her getting to be with other kids was a a lot more fun for her. Yeah, I think it was uh, John Steinberg and Dan Schatz where they both... um the creator and showrunner and executive producer for the show, they were talking about how like, you know, they do these jobs and they're with adults. Right. And it's like, it's not another day at the job. I'm tired and stuff, but then they would get there and it's like, you have these three or even the other teenagers just like having the time of their life. So it kind of like, it made them have more fun on set. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is really important. Um, I do want to play a clip of Rick and Becky Riordan talking about, the casting of this uh, trio. It was a, you know, a long process. We, we saw, you know, what thousands of tapes. Thousands <laughs> it feels tapes, like yeah. that anyway. Um, so, but you know, when we, we saw some of those um, actors, um, we, we, we knew, you know, I mean, it, Ariane, I think came in a little bit later as, as that, but you know, Leah, we, we just saw, and we saw her as Annabeth. I think when she did her chemistry read, she saw herself as Annabeth. And so, you know, those, uh, those are the things that are, um, you know, that, you know, that really we, that stick with us. And yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a frustrating thing. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a recipe for casting to say, when we knew it, we knew it. Yeah. But but it's really true. And, I mean, they I, just, I, right. they worked together. And, and I don't know if um, Walker talks about this, but I remember this so distinctly from when we did the chemistry read, um, talking to his dad and um, his dad wanted to help him um, find acting roles. And he said, what kind of roles do you want to play, Walker? And Walker looked at him and says, I want to be Percy Jackson. 
You know, and he is Percy Jackson. He is. Yeah. It's the focus. It's mm-hmm. the dedication and the belief in the role. So good. I mean, it's just like hearing them talk about like even just Walker's story of like, I want to be Percy Jackson. And it's very much a hero story, right? Oh, it's the destiny of so good. who you are meant to become. And I love hearing these things of, I, I, I think when you're like they said they look through thousands of tapes it's you just know i think when it the when it's right it's right and so when those kids came up they're like oh that's who we've been looking for it must feel like magic in and that it moment also probably really comes down to when it's like these are going to be the face of the series that chemistry read that, yes. that like them coming together like it's like okay these people on paper would be perfect but like are they going to be good together? Right. And like just seeing them interact just at these press conference. I'm like, they are, they got it. Like yeah. they're best of friends and I believe it. Yeah. And you can't make up chemistry. No chemistry has to be there. I mean, that's what makes the magic of any good pair or trio or group that is on film or on stage. It's if they're not able to play off each other, if they're not able to have that natural charisma with each other, it's going to fall flat. And so with these three where, you know, it's two best friends a new, and then ultimately, what later becomes, you know, a love interest. Oh my God! Spoiler! Spoiler! Everyone, <laughs> Percy Beth. Sorry, sorry, sp- sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it has to work. Right. It has to be believable. Um, the last thing that I want to quote uh, directly from the cast is uh, what uh, Walker Scobell had said about being Percy, um, and I think it was really it was a good thing to remember, especially going into this series. Is he says, I think it's really important to remember that he's a still a twelve year old kid. Percy's journey is about growth and self-discovery. It's a roller coaster of emotions, and I'm thrilled to bring that to life. I, I like thinking about it in that way, that it's like, it's about self-discovery. It's about this 12-year-old kid. And I like how in this, this particular um, conversation they were talking about, they really wanted it to be emotional, but grounded and like realizing that they're kids. And I think one of the detriments to like some of the past adaptations was like, it, it just didn't feel right because it wasn't a kid going through this journey. Right? right. And I like that they brought it back and are doing it right. And I, time. and I do feel like that is something that the audience needs to remind themselves of, you know, uh, listening to the creators talk. They're like, we had to find a middle ground of making this a story about a 12 year old that would be entertaining to other 12 year olds, but also be entertaining to adults. So there are going to be, there's, there's a mix here. And I think that people watching this need to realize that yes, our three main characters are 12. Right. You know, it works. It it absolutely works. And it's great. But I just think that people need to not be, you know, Debbie Downers in any sense. Of course. And one of the things that uh, quite a few of them actually talked about from from Rick and from the producers and everything like that, um, they were talking about how they really wanted these series to be timeless. It's not going to be like in the 2010s. It's not going to be in the early 2000s. They wanted it to be something where like it could be in either one of those. Like you can't really pinpoint it. I'm going to wait to see what song Grover does on his reed pipes to really say. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> really wait. Say. Um, but I like that mentality of it, right? It's like, you don't go in here to like to cement it in a time period. You, you want it to be timeless. And I think that opens it up to the audiences themselves. But we also did get to attend stuff with the costume designer, Tish Monahan and um, production designer, Dan Hanna. One of the things that they made apparent is stuff in the books was going to be expanded on a little bit. So like Grover is going to have a little bit more, which is great. Um, No spoilers. 
Um, and also Luke is going to be a little more defined because in the first book, if you remember, if you listen to our episodes prior, Luke is there, but he's just kind of like a person that helps Percy. Yeah. Luke is literally there at the beginning when he first gets a hamp, 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 half blood, camp, half blood. And then at the end of camp, half blood. So I think it makes sense that they have to dig a little deeper with these characters, especially if we're looking at a series mm-hmm. here, you know, the, the magic of a book is that Percy can tell you all about this character. You know, this is what's going on with them. Whereas in a show, we need to see that. And so if we're not having Percy tell us, we need to see it in other ways. And I think that's what they were really hitting on here. Yeah, one of the clips that I'm going to play is um, from Tish, the costume designer. And um, they talk about this character that they introduce in here. And the name is Helena. And just how they like design the costume for that is really, really cool. Which um, she was a tree dryad because it was so complicated to make. It was based on an actual tree that the locations department, I guess you, Dan, had a hand in 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 choosing. And we um, photographed it. We reproduced the bark, we reproduced the moss that was on the ground, we reproduced the look of the tree roots, and we, in combination with special effects makeup, transformed an actress into a tree. Um, And I didn't want her, like, no diss, I didn't want her to be like Groot. I wanted her to be elegant. I wanted her to be completely believable. I wanted her to be of that tree world. I wanted it to be a complete revelation when you first see her move that, oh my God, you know, that's, that's a woman. Uh, Awesome. Awesome description. Um, I, I love that Tish Monahan uh, was really excited to talk about this one, right? And, you know, there's, it's one thing to design, like, you know, just clothes and stuff like that, but like designing somebody to look like something else, but also like they have to wear this stuff is just really cool. Um, but I also like that they're using that to tell a story from these characters. So costume designing is very important. I just love the idea of the location scouts going out and being like, this is her. <laughs> This tree is Helena. Yeah. We found her. (laughs) So good. All right. So the next clip is uh, Rick and Becky Riordan also talking about this. Many, many. Do you want to pick some? Well, I mean, there's two of my favorite moments. Um, Grover meeting his uh, mother figure um, and her giving him advice. um, And that's an episode two um, is very important to, um, the character, I think, that it is not in the books, um, but it helps us understand Grover and give him a parental figure that um, he needs. So it's just really cool, like how hand in hand, a lot of times these were all like separate conferences and press stuff. And so one of the sentiments throughout the whole thing is it was all about collaboration, but also people that weren't Rick and Becky was like, when in doubt, go to the books. But I like that they're like going off the books and also expanding this because he wrote this stuff 20 plus years ago at this point. 
And so like, it's just really cool to hear that they're just like kind of expanding some stuff. Especially our main character, like someone like Grover, who is lovable, of course, in the first book, but he really is sort of a sidekick. He's a bumbling guy. He's got the flying shoes. He's bouncing all over the place. So to give him more screen time to really dig deep into who is supporting him, who is showing him, you know, the way of the world, I think is really important. Yeah. I, uh, one of the big sentiments um, between uh, the trio and also uh, Becky and Rick Riordan was talking about how another relationship or dynamic that needed to work for the series to work was Sally and Percy. Like you had to believe that that was happening for it to work because it's kind of one of the catalysts for this. As we know in the story, a lot of the kids don't really have their parents or they're strange for them. So for Percy to have that journey of discovering who his father is and who he is, but also having that connection with the mom, you have to have it work. Um, so I really like that they, they realize that when translating, it, especially for a television format, that you have to just make that relationship work. Definitely. And, and it's one thing to say, oh, well, that was his mom. I get it. But we really need to see their connection. We need to know their story of how it really has just been the two of them and why they're so connected and all the things that they've been through. So I think digging deeper into that story, really flushing it out, showing it to the viewer makes everything a little more heightened. Right. Yeah. And then also just, I think this is one of our last things from uh, Rick and Becky Riordan, um, and they talk about Luke. All of these characters are very near and dear to my heart. They are like members of my family. Um, and well, Luke had to be much more three-dimensional. He, you know, he did. That he, was an important cast. Yeah. I mean, what, are, yeah. what is his motivation? Why is he, you know doing the things he's doing and making the decisions he's making. I don't want to give too much away. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but you're absolutely right. He he needed to be uh, three-dimensional in a way that that hits you almost immediately because you're not spending a lot of time on screen in the season with Luke, but he's such an important character for the season, for the series, that we needed to find a way to kind of reinvent him as someone who would immediately feel like a mentor figure, a really wonderful sort of big brother. And and I can spoil this, I think. Um, in episode two, uh, when Percy first meets Luke, um, he just assumes that he's this big bully. Um, mm. And Luke surprises him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is, it is a lovely moment. Yeah. It's just, you know, just I love hearing them talk about this stuff, right? It's like, they've been in this world. They've created this world. We created this world so long ago that like, it almost seems like it's breathing new life into this series. And it's just exciting for older fans like us to experience it again, making us reread the books and everything. But then also it's just going to create a whole new generation of them. And so it's really fun to be able to have like these small little tweaks for this, but also you still have the books here. And I just love how involved they are with it. Yeah. I, I mean, Rick says, uh, he says in this interview that these characters are like his family. And so they've been with him for almost two decades now. You know, the book was published in 2005. He started writing it in 2003. So it's been a long journey. And so I think revisiting these characters and really getting to flesh them out a little bit and give them a little more of a of a fuller arc, I think has been 
pleasing for him and has been fun. And obviously, you know, I love that uh, Becky is a part of it and that she's also uh, right towing the line of a spoiler-free zone. <laughs> I think <laughs> everybody's <we> trying <laughs> so hard. In 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 one of the uh, in the interview with the cast, they were talking about things that they took from set. And uh, Leah is saying, oh, and I also took, oh, wait, I don't think I can say that. But yeah. wait, no, I can't say that. So it, it's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. They have to be just totally cognizant of everything that they're saying. If you want to know the other stuff that they took from set, just go to and look at the article that we wrote because we did put what yeah. they took from set. And I think Leah is going to surprise everybody. I'm curious if she actually did it, but <laughs> she actually took that thing from set. Really funny. <laughs> So the production side of everything, this is the stuff that I kind of really love about this. I love talking to the cast and of course the creators and everything, but I love to know how it works, right? Because like you have these people like Tish and Dan and all of these people that are like doing such small things. And I put that in quotes that like mean so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we didn't have Tish researching, you know, all this armor and stuff like that from, from Greek mythology and how she interprets it. Or this type of thing, I don't know if it would look right. Yeah, I I think that as we hear from most of these people is they start from the book, they read the story, but then you have to take the details that are in the book and relate them to the real world. What is this truly rooted in? Where did this come from? What was Rick talking about? Then you do that research and then you go, okay, that's great. That's what it looked like. Okay, but now how do I make it so that it exists in our world? But also like making it its own, right? Exactly. that's from Percy Jackson. I know that's from Percy Jackson. And 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 what is sort of the tone of what we're doing for the show? You know, she Tish talked a lot about how they looked at specific materials, things like corduroy, things like plaid, and and what it looked like in this sort of timeless view of Percy Jackson that they've created. And that was really interesting that they even think down to the very materials that they're using for these things. And when it comes to the armor, especially. That was really interesting because she said she based it on a specific piece of armor in the Met. Yeah. And I really like that when she was talking about that plaid that she's like, okay, in this time, the collar would be like this, but like you can just change it this way and it will look a little more timeless or more current. Um, I just love that that that's her specialty. Right. And it's just interesting to hear about that because you don't think about it. Right. Um, But this next clip is Tish talking about researching that armor. Doing the armor. Um, it was a great opportunity to throw that little bit of, of you know, Greek antiquity into the into the mix. And I uh, used, uh, you know, reference imagery, um, actually one specifically, specifically from the Metropolitan um, Museum in, in, in New York, which was uh, a, an, a Greek cuirass chest plate that that they had on on site um and we modeled our greek armor on that we uh that was our basic basic piece that we that we had so cool now i've actually seen walker is doing some press wearing the armor yeah it's so fun it's really funny though because Leah and Ariana are in like regular cool clothes and he's just rocking a Camp Half-Blood t-shirt with his armor over it. Yeah, they were at the Empire State Building and he's like, I'm going to wear this. He's like, I'm going to Olympus today. I got to wear my armor. (laughs) It's so cool. And then as far as the the production designer, so Dan Hanna had talked about really like going to those places that they're going to be building all of this stuff, right? And 
you know, a lot of the stuff was practical and everything, but like, what are, you know, like the art department, like, what are they thinking for this? Okay. I need to like set this thing up here. But one thing that he talked about that was really cool was like tweaking the normality of things for set to like make it fit for this thing. And here is that clip. You know, trying to, to maintain a feel that was really true to the books, but also gives, you know, you as an audience somewhere to go uh, that feels like everyday world, but is not. So, you know, it's all about normality being uh, uh, just tweaked a little bit. So good. It's like that one tiny little thing. It's like making the familiar just a little different for this series that it's like there's a world underneath our nose, but you can't quite see it. How do we make it fantastical, right? How do we make (laughs) Long Island fantastical? Well, (laughs) how do we make L.A. fantastical? Apparently, you need a lot of Greek mythology to make it. (laughs) Exactly. There's lots of wine, but, you know, so Mr. D is happy. But other than that, not much. Uh, One of the characters I was really excited. So um, we had Jeff White, who is the visual effects supervisor, um, one of them. And he talked about Chiron specifically. I was really curious to see how they were going to do it because, you know, centaurs could like not look so great or like look really cool. What they did for Chiron and the actor Glenn is absolutely insane. I just mind blowing. I just have to play the clip for you to believe it. So um, Chiron was a great example. Uh, I think it's traditionally in visual effects, and I and I have done this before in the past. Um, we've done uh, the actor sort of walking on, you know, a, a set of boxes that kind of gets them at the right height, and then we attach the horse body to that. And just from doing that in the past, I know that it never looks quite right, and. In particular, to to get a horse to look photorealistic with all the quadruped animation is very, very difficult. So early on, uh, Eric and I did a test and both agreed that, hey, we were going to change the approach on this show. And for the entire show, we had the actor who plays Chiron, uh, Glenn, actually on a horse for all of his scenes. And while that provided some additional challenges in terms of, you know, painting out the head of the horse and and essentially extracting Glenn from the shots and moving him forward to make the right connections. In At the end of the day, all of that was worth it because we always had very, very realistic uh, horse movement and, and dynamics. And then Glenn's movement always felt very connected uh, to his horse body, like they were, um, uh, you know, because they were shot in sync and the lighting was always perfect. So it was one of those, it's that same idea of like, how can we make these fantastical creatures as real as possible uh, by really leaning into these elements? I mean, you make them as real as possible by literally having the actor ride a horse. The man was riding a horse. <laughs> what? I mean, and, and you know, there's, there is such, I mean, it's obviously reality to it, but when, if you're thinking about Walker, looking up percy's always looking up percy is in the presence of a half man half horse well when there's really a horse there you could absolutely play off that yeah horses are giant magnificent powerful creatures you're gonna feel so small standing next to them so good and the other amazing thing about another person just being completely made for a role so uh the the actor glenn terman who plays chiron he's a rodeo champion a champion and he runs a summer camp. Excuse me. What? <laughs> He's perfect. Like it, it was so insane 
doing all this press for the show because like you really understand that like these people are perfect for these roles. Like they just are doing their normal stuff in their lives and it just like translates so well to the characters. I'm so excited. Like <laughs> it's just so, so cool. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, we can't talk about Chiron and summer camp without bringing up camp half blood. Yes. So this was one of these things that came throughout all of the interviews as well was just everybody gushing over camp half blood. Every single person was just like, it was absolutely surreal. It was amazing. It was beyond expectations. It was all of these great words of being at camp half blood. And I really liked, especially with the visual effects supervisor and um, Rick and Becky, they were talking about how like, the cabins are real. Like mm-hmm. those are built there. Of course they use green screen or blue screen for like extending it and making it look like they're not actually where they are and everything. But I think it's so amazing that they like fully built these cabins, especially cabin 11. Mm-hmm. And they really like would spend a lot of detail in there. And one of the things that uh, Becky heard and had said was there's mytho magic cards in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, I'm not sure if you can see them in the the first, the, the season, She's like, but they're there. <laughs> so it's just really cool that they filled it in with all those little tiny details there. Yeah, it's like, what what would kids at a demigod camp be doing, mm-hmm. right? They're training, they're having fun, maybe they're playing with their mythomagic cards. Yeah. And it was really fun to hear the cast's reaction to it. And, you know, Leah said, like, reading, she's never experienced reading something on a page in the book and then literally walking into it. I don't know, like... I don't know how that would feel, right? It's like, I think like, you know, when we read books about like New York and other things, it's like, yeah, I've been there. Like, I know it, it's familiar, but like having something that is like complete fiction and fantastical and then like them just translating it in this way. I mean, especially for a kid, that's amazing. And I'm like happy for them. It's like going to Disney. Yeah. There was um, also something that um, they had said, I believe it was one of the producers. I know we have it quoted in the article. It's it's either John Steinberg or Dan Schatz, but they had talked about like, I've never seen like, because they had hundreds of background actors and they were like all kids and they all transformed when they put those orange shirts on. And that's just so cool. Like that makes me excited that all these people were excited for it. It's just iconic. Right. How could you not feel the power of the t-shirt? <laughs> And the last clip that we have is Jeff White talking about the practical set. The bulk of the camp where all the the um, cabins are is a practical set. And it's phenomenal. Like it was it was incredible what Dan built. Those were all, you know, real cabins that uh, the kids could act against and um, be in that environment. Um, where we tended to use the volume was more actually interior scenes. So we staged one scene um, outside of the big house, um, and then we had a lot of interior work to do, and so that's when we moved on to the volume. But the the nice part is that the backgrounds for it were all captured from a from our live action location, so it was really seamless in terms of being able to both work outside on location and inside uh, on the volume when the when this when it made sense to do it that way. I really like hearing visual effects people talk about the volume. I think it's such an interesting tool that they can use now. It's just really cool. If you listen to our uh, 1899 episodes, they really use the volume for that. So it's just really cool to see it being used in this way. I love that. I love the mix of practical and volume because I think you need a good mix of the both, especially when you're trying to make a realistic mythical thing. 
this is kind of how you do it. Yeah. And I think practical gives the actors a lot more to work off of and yeah. really make them feel like they're in it. And for young actors, I think it could only make it even better. So good. So that's really the behind the scenes stuff that we have for you guys. It was so much fun being able to hear these conversations and be a part of that. Again, make sure you go to our website and you can look at the full the conversation with the trio and the showrunner and producers and everything. And we have that there. So now mm. on to our season one, because I hope that I, I'm going to say there's going to be a season two. <laughs> they did say series, right? They said we had to give Luke more because of the series. I don't want to say <laughs> that they said something. <laughs> I'm hoping that there will be a season two. So our spoiler free two episode premiere, uh, Percy Jackson, it is. If I could say like a sentence, right, of my initial feelings from it, it is exactly what fans would want. Mm. Like, I just, that's really most of what I can say. It looks amazing. The score is fantastic. These little actors, they can act. They really can act. Yeah. I I really enjoyed these first two episodes. I think it's really fun because they picked up on these little details that we picked up on and loved from reading the book and they put them in the series. I will let you all discover what I'm talking about by watching it. Uh, But I also think, again, you're so right. This cast is so amazing. I think that Walker Scoble really finds the line of being the kind of silly, don't know anything, but also snarky with attitude Percy that we all love. Leah does this, this little running bit uh, two or three times in the and one of the episodes that just makes me laugh and and you can see that's where she's injecting herself into the character and I really appreciate it and I mean Ariane they they've they've spoken about this in the interviews of he had to learn to walk a certain way because he has goat legs yeah you know so for a young actor for a 16 year old to really be thinking about all these things it's just truly impressive it's really good it looks amazing everything that like they had said about camp half-blood and then we have seen it's great like i think it looks pretty much what i would think it would look like right it has that good feel of camp and mythical right i think they marry it really well together the visual effects are great it's what you would expect from something that has a big budget like this and has all these fantastical things I'm very happy with with the way everything looks. I can't wait for folks to meet, what's his name? Gross guy. Glenn? Gabe? Gabe. (laughs) I know, I just read the book. We just read the book. Gross Gabe. I can't wait for folks to meet Clarice. It's Smelly Gabe. Smelly Gabe. I can't wait for people to meet Clarice. She is just as fierce as she is in the books. Everybody, I, I don't think, there's nobody that I saw so far in the first two episodes that we're talking about. That I feel like was miscast. Mm. Everybody's great. Mr. D is great. I think people are going to really be happy and surprised. Like if you were on the fence or anything like that, I think watch these two episodes and you'll really enjoy it. I think it's, it's there, right? Yeah. (laughs) These first two episodes have me really jazzed to watch the rest because it's only going to get more adventurous and more wild and a little darker from here on out. So I'm really looking forward to it. One of the things that I really liked that they captured from the books was um, we had talked about in our episodes. It feels very episodic, right? It's like this thing happens here. They get to a thing here, right? The show translates that. Like, it's like, we need to tell this part here 
now we're here telling this part. We don't really need to show you if the, if nothing happens in between, we're not going to show you this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like the pacing of it. The pacing is very, very well done. Also the relationship between Sally and Percy, I'm going to say I like a lot more in the show mm-hmm. than I do in the book. And the book is great with the relationship, but they, they sold it. Yeah. They sold it. Absolutely. I, I really think that everybody is rising to the occasion in this. I mean, I mean, I mean, everyone, like we've mentioned, the set design, the costume design, the actors, the production team, everybody is handling this with so much care. And you could really see that in these first two episodes. And I'm glad it's a show. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm very glad it's a show. There's so much that happens in this first book in this first season um, that it needs to, it needs the time to be told the way it should be. Cause each thing that happens in it is meant to happen. Absolutely. Oh, it's just, uh, I, it's, it's wild because some of the creators we're really thinking about a word. Well, here. yeah, just some <laughs> of the creators are saying that this really is kind of a road trip mm-hmm. with your two best friends. And so we're, we're packing our bags at this point. Yes. And so I can't wait to take the trip. Yeah. The, the first two episodes do a good job of kind of laying the groundwork for what the, the rest of hopefully multiple seasons of this could be. I'm very excited to see where it goes. So we are going to be covering these by the episode when we'll actually fully talk about them when they air. But I hope you're excited. Um, We're very excited. All this stuff just got us more excited. We're happy that we could have we can take you on this little tiny ride with us through all this stuff. But December 20th. Yeah. The two episodes, you get two episodes. Um, I will say also the runtime. Each episode is going to be at least over 30 minutes long. So that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah. So just get your remotes fired up for December 20th for those first two episodes. Get ready to meet Percy, Annabeth, and Grover and all the other fun, fantastical people at Camp Half-Blood. You're not going to be disappointed. I can't wait to fully talk to you guys about it. I agree. So we have the first four episodes and this is going to be fun. This is going to be a ride. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So till the 20th. See you then. See you then.